open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. I appreciate that. We are in our series, Beginnings, and we're going through the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, finding reason and purpose in the God of beginnings. That's what we're trying to do. And so um, this morning we're going to be talking about rest. Sometimes God gives us sacred moments, and uh, those sacred moments are when the presence of God enters our time. I don't know if you've ever had one of those. It's a very special time. It changes our time. It, it sometimes changes the course of our life. Have you ever had one of those special moments, one of those sacred moments with God? We're going to talk about that today. I, I want to look at that and, because God did something very special. God created. Everything you see, God created. The Bible tells us in, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? In Genesis chapter 2, one chapter later, verse 1, it said God had finished the work of his creation. You have the bookends. You have the announcement and the epilogue and those six days in between. But there was something that was missing, and it was rest. It was rest. God had given a gift to all creation. It was the gift of rest is what he's given us. And we're going to talk about today how do we enjoy that rest as a gift from God that he's given to us. But before we do that, I want you to watch this video on, on the screen, also with the song by Hillsong called So Will I that I believe it really captures that week, but not just capture what God did, but captures who he is, how great he is, and how that greatness of God extends to us today. Now, this video is about seven minutes, so bear with it, okay? It's kind of long, but I think you're going to enjoy it. Let's play the video. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath. The planets form, and if the stars amaze and worship, so alive. I can see your heart in it. speak 
creation who did this and he said it was good and he said it was good and then he created man and he said it was very good and then he gave us this day of rest and if you have your bibles turn to genesis chapter 2 if you're out your outlines ready two things to learn about rest so we can maximize this gift that god has given to us and the first one is this if you have your outline ready we need to cease from our work we need to cease from our work Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Uh, but the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all of his work. And when you read those two verses, you, you, you say, wait a minute. The seventh day God rested from finished the work that he created, it says. Shouldn't it have been at the end of the sixth day? that God finished the work and all of he did, right? Shouldn't it have been there where it was said that? Jewish, Jewish scholars will, will tell you that he wasn't finished yet when God created in six days. Because connected with the work is rest. That, that you cannot have rest unless you have work, right? You can't have rest unless you work, unless you're doing something. So God had a gift he was going to give us, and it's a word that is used there is called manua. It was a gift of rest that he was saying he was giving to you and I that we needed to stop and have rest. God was calling a special people for his name, different than any other civilization at that time. And in that ancient Near Eastern civilizations, when they would create their gods and they become polytheistic, those gods that they created never worked. And even the higher people in their society, they never worked. 
So now all of a sudden you have a God, the God of the beginning of time. We have three times in three verses it said that God worked, we have here. And so God is elevating work to a very high level here, what he's doing. And some people look at work that it's a curse. But may I remind you right here in Genesis chapter 2, and God worked. Therefore, it's not a curse, right? The curse came from the fall in Genesis chapter 3. But work preceded the fall is what we see in this passage. Work was to be a blessing for all of us. But it was to be ended, always to be ended with rest. You would have rest after that. We've so distorted that so much today. We have people that, that don't know how to work or, or won't work. We have some people who don't know how to stop working, right? They just can continue to working all the time, and they need rest. My hunch is you, you maybe know a workaholic or know somebody who is workaholic or maybe a recovering workaholic, and God is saying to them, rest. You need rest. All of us need rest. But sometimes people can work themselves to death, right? They don't know when to stop, never stopping until something happens, and it's too late. So God wants us to rest. The Bible says that God rested. Now let me ask you a question. Did God rest because he was tired? Now that's not a trick question. God, was God tired? If God was so incomplete that he needed rest, then he could not be God because God is complete. God was not tired. So God set aside rest. Also, God himself did not need rest. He set aside rest as an example for you and I, for us. Like, give me an example. Suppose you bought a house, and, and uh, it's a new house, but not, not a new house, but it's new to you. And you go in the house and say, before we move into this house, boy, we got to rip up the carpet. we got to replace some of the floor. we got to replace the carpet. We're going to have to paint the walls. We're going to have to prep the walls. we got to paint the ceiling. we got to do all this stuff. But before we move in, we got this timeline that this has got to be done, right? we got to do it as fast as we can because we got to move in another week. So the family all comes over, and you guys are getting all busy. You get the walls all painted, the ceilings painted. You get the carpet laid down. And finally, at the end of that, you kind of just fall down in that brand-new carpet in the family room, right? Because you have no furniture. So you fall down in that carpet, and you just kind of sit there, and you rest. You rest. But you're not resting from physical exhaustion, but you're, the rest is to capture all the work that was done and process it. That's what it is. That's, that's what it's talking about here. I want to share with you a couple of verses that come after the book of Genesis. Uh, and, and God was setting up this covenant with his people, Israel. It's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 9 to 11. Anytime you hear Exodus chapter 20, what should come to your mind? The Ten Commandments, right? Anytime you hear Exodus chapter 20, the front part of that's the Ten Commandments, so you want to be thinking about that. This is the fourth commandment we're going to be talking about. Exodus chapter 20, verse 9 to 11. It says, six days... You shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or your daughter, nor your manservant or your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the aliens within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Exodus chapter 23, verse 12 said, six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born in your household, and the alien as well may be refreshed. Three things I want you to notice from this passage to the covenant people of Israel that God was giving them. The, the first one is Exodus chapter 20, I said it was the Ten Commandments. It was the fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy was that commandment. I didn't read that part. Well, that was the commandment, the fourth commandment. It was one of the big ten. 
They were supposed to live by this. But let me give you three things that we notice about this. Number one, it is commanded of God. It's not an option. Rest is not an option. We all need rest. We need rest more than we think we need it. We all do. When we don't rest, we are sinning against God by disobeying his word because God said we need rest. Not getting the rest that we need that we desperately need. We desperately need rest. So it's not an option. It's commanded of God for you and I to rest, right? Second, it's modeled. God modeled it for us. God didn't need rest, but he modeled it for us because we need rest. We're trying to to live like God when we don't get rest. That's what we're trying to be is like God. God says, no, you're not like me. You need rest. So we need to rest. God modeled it for us. So we'd have an example from him that you and I need to rest from time to time. We need to rest. After we worked hard, we need rest. Three, that he blessed it, rest, and called it holy. He called it holy. So we need to get a rest. There's a verse in Scripture in Psalm, 50, in four, Psalm 46 that some people believe it was written by Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. But we don't know for sure. But he talks there about don't be afraid. And then all of a sudden he says, stop. Stop everything you're doing and be still and know that I am God. Literally what that means is let your hands fall down to your side, be still, cease all human activity, and know that I am God. That's what God is saying. That's what, that's what he's saying in Psalm 46.10. Let your hands fall down your side, be still, cease all human activity, and know that I am God. Is it possible that we cram our lives so full of so many different things that we're doing that we diminish the chance of ever having a sacred moment with God? That we're missing that opportunity that God is giving to us to have those times. Because we're running, we're busy, we're doing, we're checking things off, and years go by, and years go by, and we're thinking, what happened? That we never allowed those sacred moments to really have defined us, defined our time and our lives. We've never allowed that to happen. So he says, stop, be still, and rest. And rest is what we're supposed to do. The second thing to learn about rest is we need to understand and take God's view of time. We need to do that. Take God's view of time. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, it says this. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What God is doing by modeling it for us is what he's saying here is that we need time for recreation. We need time for rest. Or we need time, let me re-say re that word, we need time for recreation of our body, our mind, and our spirit. We need time to replenish those. So God says, no, you need to rest. You need to have that time of rest. We've got to do that. He says, you've got to have time to do that. You've got to rest is what he's saying. So just stop from what you're doing and find those times of rest. The word that is talked about here is an interesting word because he made this day special is what it's saying. This day is special that he's talking about the seventh day. Days one, two, three, and four, and five, we say it was good. He said it was evening, it was morning, it was the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day. It was all good. And then it gets to the sixth day, and he created man. And what does he say? It was very good, right? It was very good. So all of God's creation was either good or it was very good. But it wasn't holy. It wasn't holy. It wasn't holy till he gets to the seventh day. And he says that this day is holy. Of all the days, of all the creation, he says this day is holy. Let me just share a little bit about that word holy. That word holy means to separate. 
I know we use that word holy many times for morally pure. It definitely means that, but it means so much more. It means to separate. What it means is that God is so removed from mankind. Uh, all that is common, profane, human, normal, and mundane, that is not God. God is so far removed from that. We sang a song this morning that the angels are singing, that he's so far removed. The angels in heaven we find from Isaiah chapter 6, Revelation chapter 4, and Revelation chapter 5, that the angels would cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That, that God is so far removed, that's what, that's what that means. He's separate from all of us. He's in a different category all by himself, that he's so far removed from all of us, is what that's saying. But now God is using this word to describe for the first time something other than himself that is holy. We see that right here in Scripture. He called this day holy. It's holy and blessed is this day, this day of rest. It's holy and blessed is what he says about that day. The first time we have a reference that something else is holy besides God. Our years and our months are governed and controlled by our solar system, right? It's a natural law. What about the week, the week and rhythm of, of the week that we have? We still honor it today, and it comes from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 2. Six days you work, and, and then you rest, and then we start it all over again. Let me fast forward it to the time that Jesus was here on this earth. Uh, the rabbis, many of them fit in the category of those Pharisees. The one thing we know about the Pharisees is they honor the Old Testament law. They love the Old Testament law. And they said the Old Testament law was good, but if we could add to it, it would be even better. So that's what they did. They added to the Old Testament law. There's one article that said that the, that the rabbis added 1,521 things that you could not do on the Sabbath. Think about that. 1,521 things you cannot do on the Sabbath day is what they would say. And then comes along this young Jewish rabbi. They came along and who, who didn't have the pedigrees from the schools that they came from, the Shammai and Hela. And he says that the, that the Sabbath was made for man. And then he went on and he allowed his disciples to, to pick corn uh, and eat it on the Sabbath. And then he did some healings on the Sabbath. Then he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. And those rabbis looked at him and said, who do you think you are? He said, I'm the Lord. And then he went on to say, this young rabbi in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 29, Jesus, he says this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke, and what that means, my yoke, or my teaching upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So we have to ask the question, do we as New Testament believers, do we as followers of Jesus Christ, they live in, in the body of Christ, do we need to honor the Sabbath day uh, it, it with, it, it, and set aside a day of worship and rest like they did in the Old Testament. We need to do that today. Well, let me answer that two ways. No, and then yes. Okay, no, and then yes. Let me start with the no first so we can understand what I'm talking about. The Ten Commandments were all repeated in the New Testament except one. One of them was not repeated. It was that fourth commandment where it says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And the reason it wasn't repeated because Jesus came to fulfill the Sabbath. That Jesus is our rest. He's our rest. That's where we find our rest is in Jesus. So Jesus is our rest from pursuit of all other gods. 
Because those gods can be so draining and demanding and consuming. And Jesus is a rest from all that. Jesus is a rest from, from, our, our, from trying to prove our worth through our work. That we're never trying to prove our worth through our work and our value. That Jesus, is, is our identity is in Jesus. And he's a rest. He's a rest from all of that. And so that is fulfilled in Jesus as we find ourselves in Jesus. That we find rest in him. And we find our fulfillment. We find our worth. We find our value. All that is found in Jesus as we're released in that rest that Jesus gives us. From this rigorous pursuit of identity and work and pursuing a false God, we have rest. Rest from Jesus. So we don't have to honor the Sabbath the way they did in the Old Testament. We don't have to do that. So no, we don't have to honor it the way they did. But yes, we do need to honor the Sabbath principle. We have to honor that. Uh, that is, there's a work and there's a rest rhythm that goes together, that we have to have those. We have to honor that. We have to find ourselves in that, that rhythm of work and rest. We have to have that. But not so necessarily honor that one day, but we have to have that in our lives. There are a couple words in the Greek language that are used to describe time, translated time. It helps us to understand time I want to share with you. But before I do that, when we come out of our mother's womb, that's our birthday, right? That's our birthday, and, and then we begin life, and we're off and running. But we know this life is not going to last forever. We know that it's going to end sometime. And that line is called our timeline, right? That time that we have is called our timeline. We all have a timeline. It's untamable. Time always wins, doesn't it? You, you look at sport players. There's some, I'm going to play forever, but sooner or later, those sports players, those athletes, time catches up and they have to retire. It always wins. There will be a time in our lives where this life will end. We all know that. It's going to happen. We have this sense that in this timeline that we have a certain amount of time, but we don't know when it's going to end. None of us do. So therefore, we try to pour as much time as we can into things, material, and space into that timeline that we have, don't we? We do everything we can inside of our timeline. So we chase our dreams. We live our lives trying to uh, find accomplishments and do these accomplishments, and we're doing all these things. We're climbing ladders and doing all these things to find positions in the places that we work, trying to get for the bonuses and more money and all this kind of thing. We're going from birthday party to anniversary party, from this celebration to that celebration, doing all these things. And all those things are good. Don't get me wrong. They're good, but it's just chronological time. That's all it really is. It's just marking of time, marking of events. Here are the two words you find in the Greek. The first one is the word chronos, is where we get the word chronological. That's just the chronicling, chronicling of time. It's just the events that happen in our lives. It's like on that timeline. It's the birthday celebrations because another day has passed, and we celebrate those. It's packed full with things, but those things that we do in that timeline, that chronicling of time, the chronos, perhaps lack meaning in our lives. There's another word that we find in the New Testament that Jesus talked about. He called Kairos time. It, Kairos time is not the chronicling of time, but it's those moments of time that become turning points, that become sacred moments in our life that helps to define chronology, helps us define our chronos time. That's what they do. And the most significant Kairos moment of my life that I had in my own life, again, when the presence of God entered our time, it, it does something significant like changing our life or something like that. If we respond the right way to that Kairos moment, remember, that's a big if. If we respond to the right way to that Kairos moment is when I was a young man, I went to a special weekday service with a special speaker. 
And the special speaker, he asked the question, he says, do you know where you're going to go when you die? And it got my attention because I didn't have an answer for that question. I didn't, I have no idea. How do I respond? How do I, I, I really don't know. I couldn't give a definitive answer. And then he proceeded to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, how Jesus came to this world, and he died on the cross for my sins, and he was buried and raised on the third day. And in those moments, that moment right there, the Spirit of God's presence was there in my life. He was convicting me of sin, righteousness, and judgment right there. And that was a Kairos moment right in my life. That was a special moment. That was a sacred moment that God was happening in my life. And I responded to that Kairos moment by putting my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. And that moment, that was directional uh, for the rest of my life. That changed the course of my life, changed the direction for my life. I was never the same again. It was a Kairos moment that affected my chronos time. That affected everything I do. And from that moment on, I tried to live for Jesus, not the way I think sometimes I could have. Uh, I wish I could have done better, but I tried to live for Jesus. But that was a Kairos moment in my life. Now, you might ask, do we have other Kairos moments besides salvation? Yes. We can have many Kairos moments in our life, but the most important one is that day of salvation, the Kairos moment we have with God. But is it possible that we are so busy in our lives filling up our chronos time on that timeline in which each one of us have, that we don't have time for those kairos moments in our life that would define our chronos. You follow me? You understand what I'm saying? Is it possible that we, we filled it up so much, our, our time, that we don't have time for those moments with God? Well, we're so busy that we don't have time to really stop before God, and, to, and we diminish the chances of ever recognizing the presence of God in that moment of time in our lives in which we're living today. And maybe you're here today and you've been so busy. And maybe you are a workaholic or maybe just running your life. And, and a workaholic, what I think also goes with that, that some people think they've got to stay busy all the time. And they're just running, go, 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 go. And they stay so busy in their life that maybe today is a Kairos moment for you where the presence of God is in your time. And he wants to change that course. He wants to give you that defining moment. He wants to give you that special moment, that sacred moment that changes your course today. Maybe not salvation. Maybe you know Christ. But maybe your course that you're going on is not the right course, and God wants to change that. See, those Kairos moments can only come when we leave rest space for God. They only come during those times. The most significant Kairos moments of my time haven't come when I've been so busy. When I'm busy, I, I will never find a Kairos moment in my life. When I'm so busy doing and doing and whatever, even serving, I won't find those times during that time. But it's only the time when I'm resting. When I'm spending time with God and, and, and just enjoying Him, I can have one of those Kairos moments with God where God will enter my time and so direct and shape my chronos time on that timeline. And that's what we want to do. We want those Kairos moments to be defining moments in our lives. Not the crown as time be defining moments, just chronicling of time and just going to event to event to event. But we want those Kairos moments, those sacred moments where the presence of God enters our time to really define who we are, to really define us. Not that we're looking to all these emotional experiences. I'm just talking as we're reading the Word of God that God enters our time. We're really having time with Him. Jesus talked a lot about this. He said to a group of would-be disciples, he said, if you believe in me, believe him who sent me, you have eternal life, and you will not see condemnation. And maybe you say to yourself, well, like I do when I read this, 
wait a minute. Hebrews 9.27 says, just this man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Doesn't it say that? So we're going to face judgment. Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. When you believe in me, you have eternal life. Not that you will have it. He says, you have it. You understand? You have it now. You have eternal life right now. That that Kairos moment when we accept that Jesus Christ our Savior is the greatest moment that a person can have in their life. The greatest moment. Because it now redefines life and eternity in their, ho- in their lives. And that eternity life begins at that particular moment where that person put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Where they had that Kairos moment with God through Jesus, right? Amen? So Genesis chapter 2, 1, God said he had finished creation. Now it's time to rest. If you fast forward to the life of Jesus, and uh, we know Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins, and as Jesus is suspended from that cross, before he leaves this earth, there are seven sayings of Jesus that he has from that cross. And one of the sayings of Jesus that he has from that cross, he says, it is finished. And when Jesus said those words, it is finished, he says, redemption is finished, and it's available to you so that now you can enter my rest. And heaven is possible. So redemption is finished and available to you so that now you and I can enter Jesus' rest. And now heaven is possible for us. May I challenge you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never put your faith in, you're just here marking time, just going through events, chronicling time from one event, and you think you're really living and that's what you're doing, may I say, if you've never had a Kairos moment in your life where the Spirit of God, the presence of God came in your life and, and changed you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, when it came into your life and you were born again, if you've never had that experience with the Holy Spirit, then you have an appointment with the God the Bible talks about you're not ready for. That every one of us one day will have to stand before our Creator and give an account. And if you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are today and experiencing all today the presence of God in your life, it might be a Kairos moment for you this morning. And it might not only be a salvation Kairos moment, but it might be if you don't know Christ. And this might be a life-changing moment, might be an eternity moment right now in your life. And you don't want to let it pass you by. You don't want to let that Kairos moment pass you by, but you want to respond to the right way. And the right way is to respond yes to Jesus and understanding a couple things about Jesus. That Jesus left heaven as the Son of God, God, and he came down to this earth, and he took on being a man. He became the God-man. took on the form of a human being. And then he went to the cross, and on that cross, he died for all of your sins, your past, present, and future sins. Sins of the whole world died for mine. And he paid the payment completely on that cross for your sins. So all your sins are paid for. So that you and I now, Jesus says, it is finished. So you and I can have redemption. We can have forgiveness of sins. And Jesus is inviting us to his rest. He says, I want to give you rest, but you got to come to me. And so now we have an opportunity to have a relationship with God the Father, opportunity for heaven, but we have to come to God his way, the way he's provided. And the only way, the absolute only way he has provided is through Jesus, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Amen? And if you are here today, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and if you are having one of those Kairos moments in your life today, where the presence of God is in in your time, say yes to him. Respond the right way and say yes to Jesus by putting your faith and trust in him 
for forgiveness of sins. Just say, God, I trust you as my Savior today. Do that today. If you have questions about that, you still say, I got questions, please come and see me, because that's the most important uh, decision you can make in your life is that one. Secondly, I've got a hunch that we probably have some workaholics in here, or, or you know somebody that's a workaholic, or you're one of those people that you're so busy, you're so busy all the time, you think you've got to stay busy, God has given you this very high view of work, and, you, and that's good, but work is a terrible God, and it will never give us our identity. And you will die chasing after that. And what God is saying to you, we've got to rest. We've got to lay that down and we've got to rest because we're never going to find our identity in that. We're never going to find our worth and our value in our work. And we need to find some time, maybe this week, every week, we need to find time to rest. And I think if we find those times of rest, we're at least opening the door and creating space for God to come in and enter our life. And perhaps, perhaps, it's one of those Kairos moments. I don't want you to think that if you leave time for God, every time you're going to leave a Kairos moment, one of those special sacred moments. No. But perhaps we leave it open that we can have one of those Kairos moments, those sacred moments that could be life-changing for us, that God could change the course of our life. Or it might be, not be a Kairos moment like that, but an Iris Kairos moment that's helping us to make a good decision in our life, that God gives us those. And maybe you're here and you're not a workaholic. I'm not like that at all. I'm kind of laid back. I, I'm not that way at all. I get my, my significance from Jesus. But you say, boy, the, the time is passing so fast. How many believe that? How many think that? Time is passing so fast. You look at it and say, man, I'm just marking time. I'm just marking events. It seems like I'll go through the year. Oh, it goes New Year. Here it goes now, July 4th. And oh, here it goes Labor Day. Thanksgiving. And you're just marking of time. And that's, that's all you're doing. And, and what you're saying is that I, I need God to step into my chronos time right now. I need him to step in my time right now and, and give me meaning and hope and direction. And you need to ask God to step in that time and, and so that my life could be different. I need God's purpose for my life. What I have to say to you is Psalm 46.10, where it says, Be still and know that I am God, that you just cease from all activity, cease from all human activity right there, and just know that he is God. And allow God to enter our time to shape and direct us from this time. And that's what we want. We want those Kairos moments that we have with our God, those defining moments in our life, to shape us and direct our life. We don't want the chronos things, the events to shape and direct our life. That's not what we want to do. We want those times with God, those Kairos moments with God, those sacred moments, those special moments with God, that to define us. That shapes our chronos time. That shapes our timeline. Not just events that everyone else has. We serve a God who's separate, a God who's different from us, a God who does big things and great things in our life, and he wants to define our life with him. He wants our life to be defined by him, what he's doing in our life. He wants us to have those Kairos moments. I'm not saying we're going to have them every day, but he wants us to spend time with him and to invite him in so perhaps we can have the opportunity and we have one. Amen? But it takes you and I from stop, ceasing from all human activity, and just knowing that he's God, giving an opportunity to enter that presence. Amen? Let's try that this week. Let's try that the next week. Let's try that the next months and years in our lives and see how our lives change for the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. We thank you so much. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that we get into the word. That Lord, you gave us this wonderful, amazing gift 
of rest because you realize these creatures you created, us, human beings, say, Lord, we can get so busy in doing things and sometimes piddling in little things and, and act like we're doing major things when you know we're not. And so you created this gift for us to say, we need rest. And that rest, Lord, is, is not just to do our own thing. And that rest, Lord, is for us to draw closer to you. And it's time for you to kind of replenish or recreation of our, of our heart, our soul, I mean, our spirits and, and our minds. To reconnect with you and give you that opportunity for a Kairos moment. And I pray that for each person here. I pray, Lord, that we would stop and cease our human activity from time to time where we can rest. I pray, Lord, you give us the ability to work hard, every one of us. But then help us to realize that our bodies need rest, that we need rest, our minds need rest. Our minds need to connect intimately with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with the Heavenly Father, the one who created us. So, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to allow these Kairos moments where the presence of God, where you enter our lives to change us, to shape us and direct us. Help us, Lord, right now. It doesn't do us any good for us to talk about this. It only does good if we would surrender our lives. So, Lord, I pray this morning that each one of us right now would surrender our hearts and minds to you and say, God, I, I see the importance of rest. When I don't get rest, I see I'm sinning against you because it's not an option. It's a command. You want each of us to rest from the hard work we do. You, you, thank you for the work you've given us. Work is a blessing for rest. We can have rest with you. You called it holy, that time of holy. And I pray that each one of us would have that time where we draw closer to you. That, Lord, we experience you in a significant and unique and special way. That we might have those Kairos moments in our life. And those moments would define us, who we are. Define our chronos time on our timeline. So our lives would be filled. We could look back and our lives are filled with those Kairos moments where you've entered our lives, God, and did things and guided us and directed us and shaped us. So, Lord, I pray for every person here. None of us arrive. None of us can say, boy, I'm there all the time. I'm not. I know I'm not. That this morning, Lord, as we sing this next song, that we would just surrender to you. Say, God, I've not arrived. That's all we're saying. And God, I need you. And I surrender to you so, Lord, I can draw closer to you and I would obey you, that I'd work hard in my life and do the things that I have to do, but I'd have those times in my life from time to time where I just, Psalm 46, 10, put my hands to my side and cease all human activity and realize you're God and give you the opportunity to step and enter my time and have one of those Kairos moments. You might shape and direct my life, my chronos time. So Lord, we, we ask for that this morning. We give you the permission to come on our life as we sing in this song that you would do business in our hearts and our minds this morning, Lord. Draw us closer to you. If any of us have in those Kairos moments this time, help us to respond in the right way, Lord. Help us to respond to you correctly. Lead us and guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. If somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray you would move in their hearts and minds, convict them of their sin, righteousness, and judgment that they need, realize they need a Savior and they might put their faith and trust in Christ. Deal with all of us, Lord. Work in our hearts and our minds. We ask this in Jesus' name.